0: From the NFL. We know the Browns have talent, but I'm not sold on this rookie head coach. To the NBA. Kawhi Leonard has added his name as
1: one of the best players in basketball. Across the landscape of college football.
0: The Pac-12 got how many teams in the top 25? And so much
1: more. Watson needs
0: a Dana White. It has too many chefs in the kitchen. The stories you want. The Zeke Elliott holdout could be coming to a close.
2: The opinions you need.
1: LeBron is coming back with revenge on his mind. The king is back. It's Jay Wise.
0: I keep telling y'all my last name is no joke.
2: And Nathan Drinkard.
0: If they don't win this game, it's a wrap. Stick a fork in them. They're done.
2: This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard. I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thanks for spending some of your time with us tonight. How are we feeling, fellas? Still doing good?
0: Drake's about to hit us with the sauce, maybe.
1: <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what just happened right there, but <laughs> let's talk
2: some sports, baby. I, I hope y'all don't expect that out of me at any point. But so, <laughs> you can expect this. In episode 57, we continue to look at the NFL free agency landscape as the Eagles and Chargers strengthen their secondaries. Cam Newton's future remains uncertain, and we examine the remaining free agencies uh, free agents that have the most value. But first, we begin with some big-name running backs finding new teams. Los Angeles Rams saved $10.5 million by releasing star running back Todd Gurley on Thursday. Gurley signed a four-year $57 million extension two years ago with the Rams, but injuries have derailed his former All-Pro production. The Atlanta Falcons were quick to pick him up and hope to get back to those ways. Melvin Gordon also found a new home, inking a two-year $16 million deal with Denver. Gordon has dealt with some injuries in his own contract holdouts, but has been very productive when he's healthy. So, Drake, which team is going to wind up being happier with their signings?
1: Well, um, I think it's two ways you can look at this. I think financially, you got to go with the Falcons. They only sign Gurley to a one-year deal. So even if he go out here and drop a complete dud, you only got him for one year. You get him off the books. You move on. And that's a blimp on his career. If you talk about productivity, I'm going to have to go with Melvin Gordon because – remember Gordon, is, he's getting added to a backfield that already had one Pro Bowl running back with Philip Lindsay. So now he's getting added to a one-two punch. He just left out of a situation where he was with a one-two punch. So he's more familiar with what he's going to do with Denver than what Gurley is going to do with the Falcons. So you got to understand this. He's leaving the Rams where, when we just talked about this, the, when the Rams was at their best, it wasn't going through Jared Goff. Let's be serious here. It was it was going through Ty Gurley. Now he's going to go to the Falcons where that is Matt Ryan's team. I mean, I, don't, I can't remember the last time, you know, we really talked about, hey, that guy in the backfield, since Matt Ryan been there, it's always been about Matt Ryan, what he does, how he does. Not to say running backs don't matter, but Devontae Freeman did do enough to get that big contract he got. Then once he got hurt, he was downhill. He was like the stock market. So, you know, I, we and we still trying to figure out what happened to him, right? We like, hey, yo, you remember Devontae Freeman when he was good, and now he's like not good, and it just happened so fast. We don't know the coronavirus. So now here comes Ty Gurley. He coming into the situation. Now, with that said, I know people say, well, Ty Gurley's so talented, he will be the best running back, Matt Ryan. Has ever played with, if you add, you know, if you're talking about the guy, the previous guys. But people tend to forget why Ty Gurley got cut two years after signing a four-year deal. He has problems, folks. You gotta look at that knee. You gotta look at that ankle. And I think Sean McVay got tired of getting shotgun blasted on why he wasn't using him enough. I think Sean McVay got to the point where he was like, listen. I can't keep hiding this injury. People think I'm just, I'm playing stupid now. I went from being boy genius to a complete idiot in a matter of a year. They, they, people don't know what's going on with me. And I just, I'm not feeling this no more. So he went up to the, you know, the uh, GMO, Les Snead said, listen, something got to happen, man. You want to, you want to get them on out of here or what? What, what, what we doing here? What are we doing? And they got rid of him. Now, granted, Injuries played a role, but we know that that tax, that gross overpayment of players also play played the a role. They need to share money and they need to share money fast. Um, so that also played a role. But listen, I'm putting my my eggs in the Melvin Gordon basket more than the Ty Gurley basket. I think Melvin Gordon is gonna be an outstanding piece for uh the Broncos. I think the Broncos are gonna get a lot of use out of them, and I would say this. With Melvin Gordon back there, now you can use Philip Lindsay in different manners. You don't just have got to run him straight up and down. Now you can pass the ball to him more out of the backfield because from what I've seen from the young fella, he's a pretty hell of a good pass catcher too. So now you can use him more in that manner because um, you got a, a, a former number one back of a, a pretty good Chargers team when he was doing his thing. You got a former number one back, back there with Melvin Gordon. So I'm going to go with melvin gordon will be the better investment
0: yeah i'm with i'm with drink on this one i like the melvin gordon signing for the denver broncos over the todd Gurley signing for the falcons and you can look at it financially it's financially it appears to be a it's a it's a short term probably low risk investment for the falcons because it's only a one year six million dollar deal even though he's still going to be collecting a little bit money from the rams even though they cut him and don't give me this nonsense about them saving money by cutting them. They 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 still holding the L on this one with the. uh. You know, dead cap, stealing, um, yeah, they they yeah. definitely
1: getting the dead cap money, but, but they do save 10 million off the bat yeah. without a doubt.
0: But but when you look at this from the Bronco perspective, the Broncos in the past, the past two seasons have had, you know, a, a one two punch with the young guns. Uh, the, the big man, Philip uh, Royce Freeman, I should say, and then a little man, Philip Lindsay, who. Who? Is a, it's quite effective running through the tackles, I might say. But with this signing, you maintain that one two punch, but you get a huge, huge upgrade for your inside big back with Melvin Gordon being significantly better than Royce Freeman. And I, I like this move for another reason because Phillip Lindsay only fought about 5 foot 890 pounds. So with his size in mind, you don't w- just want to run out there and give Philip Lindsay the ball 25 times a game. You want to kind of keep his carries in check so you don't, you know, run him into the ground and get him beat up too often out there. So when you bring in a guy like Melvin Gordon, you're able to still have a great one-two punch. Uh, they both can catch passes out of the backfield. Uh, Melvin Gordon, over the past four seasons, even with, you know, some of the injuries he's had and the that ill-conceived holdout, He's got 38 rushing touchdowns over the past four seasons. That's fourth most in the NFL. And in his 47 total touchdowns, when you consider the receiving work he does, are third most in the NFL over the uh, last four seasons. So you got to like what he does with his versatility. I think you would like to see a bit more consistency uh, from Melvin Gordon. He's only averaged more than four yards to carry one time in his career. I would give him. I would say this in regards to his performance last season. I think that holdout really, really hurt him. I think the Los Angeles Chargers. That I think, and I think some people around the league, uh, they really think Austin Eckler is a better running back than Melvin Gordon. And I, I just, and I just find it to be a, la- a laughable statement. I understand what he can do for you out of the backfield as far as catching passes, but when we talk when we talk about things from a pure running running back perspective as get as taking a carry and picking up chunks of yardage. I'm going with Melvin Gordon every day of the week. I'm sorry. So I love this for the Denver Broncos. You got a great one, two punch to kind of, you know, take some pressure off your young quarterback drew lock. I think it's pretty clear. Denver. They're going to run the football, play defense with Vic Fangio and them boys on that side of the ball Uh, from the Atlanta perspective. You, and I, I just talked about how Denver has a great one, two punch. I'm looking at Atlanta right now, and this was, a, this was a signing they had to make out of great necessity because you think about what they've lost the past two seasons with, with letting go Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman leaving in free agency last offseason. Uh, they're pretty thin out there. They're pretty thin at running back. You look at some of these names on the Atlanta Falcon roster, uh, you, you'd be hard. You'd be hard pressed to find, you know, Google, res, uh, Google results for some of these guys. I'm talking about Edo Smith and Quadri, Quadri Ellison or Collison. Or, I, I don't know who these guys are. So and, and to that point, you signed Todd Gurley. But when you consider his injury history and what he and, and his usage last season, I'd be I'd be nervous about the Falcons even if it even though it's only a one year deal. Because ever since the 2018 playoff run when inexplicably CJ Anderson was getting the ball consistently for the Los Angeles Rams, we've just we've been confused for over what, about a year and a half now? Just confused about what's going on with Todd Gurley and why Sean McVay neglected to give this man the football. And you bring up a great point. Maybe Sean McVay's tired of getting the smoke from guys like us. Just what 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 are we doing? You made the Super Bowl, giving the ball to Todd Gurley, and now just all of a sudden we just forgot he's on the roster. We forgot he's a thing. So with that in mind, I don't believe Todd Gurley. I think he's got a serious chronic issue going on with his knee. I don't know if we'll ever see that all-pro version Of Todd Gurley, because back when he won offensive player of the year in 2017 and was a two and was a first team all pro two seasons in a row. I think those days are over for Todd Gurley. And with those things in mind, I'm taking Melvin Gordon.
2: Yeah, guys, I think uh, you're all absolutely spot on. Uh, Melvin Gordon is going to projects to be a much better signing than Todd Gurley is going to be. Um, for all the reasons just listed as far as Melvin Gordon's concerned, I don't need to go back over him. I just, I mean, the only thing you could say about it was well, some people are knocking. It, it's like, is it the most necessity, like critically necessity thing that Denver had? Maybe, maybe not, but Hey, you, you go out there, you got a chance to put a guy like that on your team. You do it. Right. Uh, in Atlanta, Todd Gurley, there's two things I look at. Number one is, of course, the injury history. Again, you know, this is not something that was just one season. Sometimes we see a guy, they get hurt for one season, they come back and and they take a little time to knock the rust off. But this is chronic. This is something that's, it hasn't just been a half a season or a couple games and he had a whole offseason, now we're golden. That should have been last year. And last year, the production wasn't horrible. Thousand yards from scrimmage, 12 touchdowns. We look at that yards per carry, 3.8. Uh, it, it's just there's something not right. Especially you're talking about a guy that did what he did and there's just something wrong. And when they, those injuries tend to linger, you start to wonder, is it in the guy's head? Is it some kind of damage that just can't be repaired? And it's just going to be a problem his whole career. So it's very hard to accept that. Oh yeah, yeah. He'll just bounce back and he'll be the Rams Todd that We all remember and was on all the commercials. And the other thing, the other reason I don't really like this for Atlanta is how much better is Atlanta really going to be? I mean, looking at their post free agency, you consider who's out, and who's in. You lost Austin Hooper, Desmond Trufant, Vic Beasley, Devondre Campbell, and two rotational guys on that offensive line. And um, when you're 30th in rushing, we all know that just can't be the running back. There, there's there's other things involved. Right. There's some schem- schematically your play calling. But a lot of it can just be your offensive line that just hasn't really panned out. Um we all know that an all world running back can just look like real mediocre real fast. Uh, last year in 2019's draft, you picked up Chris Lindstrom from Boston College, who had a 43 rating from Pro Football Focus before he went on IR. And your let's, other first round pick, That's pretty bad. (laughs) It is, yeah. And then he went on IR, so there could have been an injury there. But then also you picked Caleb McGarry in the first round. You had two first-round picks. You picked two offensive linemen. McGarry was 34 out of 38 starting right tackles last season, and now you've lost depth on top of that. So you're relying on these second-year guys with limited experience and injury histories to come back and be better without any other big moves in free agency to combat it. And then, oh, let's throw in it on top of that. By the way, you're on this win-now mandate with Dan Quinn and company, this like, oh, well, last year we're writing you off on the taxes, but you're not doing that again. And I assume, unlike some teams, they actually mean that when the front office says that. So if that's the case, you got a win-now team who lost a bunch of talent, who doesn't have a great offensive line, and now Todd gurley is got to come in there and be this dude I don't know. Uh, that's, a, that's a whole lot of pressure. So, yeah, I, I got to agree with you all. I think Melvin Gordon's definitely gonna definitely going to have the better run here of these two players.
1: And, and one thing I forgot to hit on when I was talking was the level of competition. You got to understand Atlanta is going to be in the better of the two divisions at this point. I think um, you're going to need Melvin Gordon a lot. I mean, you're going to need Ty Gurley a lot more in that uh, NFC South um, than you would need. Melvin Gordon in the AFC West. Not saying the AFC West is garbage. I'm not saying they're bums, but we just seen what the Bucks did. We know what the Saints is gonna do. And you know, Carolina might make a little noise down there too, because they got a guy, you know, you might have heard on Christian McCaffrey. So that division is gonna be a lot tough, a lot tougher than what Melvin Gordon might deal with. And like we said, he has a co partner in that backfield where you won't have to rely on him to do as much as you probably gonna need.
0: Out of Tiger. No, I I agree with that 100%. When you look at what the Bucks have done, and we know that how potent the Saints are going to be year in and year out, at this point you would probably just go into preseason say the Falcons are the third best team, which <laughs> that's probably not going to get you in the playoffs considering you only get two wild card spots, and we know the NFC West is going to be tough, and you still got the Vikings and Packers to contend with in the NFC North, whereas out in Denver we know we know what the Chiefs are going to do. Uh, you know, they just owning the AFC West right now. But the Chargers and Raiders, I'm not sold on either one of those teams. Y'all not sold on either one of those teams. So, Dem- Denver should have a reasonable chance to really compete for a wild card spot this year. And oh, by the way, to just you know circle back to the original question: If you'd have asked us two, if you'd asked us this question two years ago, it would have been absolutely laughable and blasphemous yeah. to choose I, to choose Melvin Gordon yeah. over Todd Gurley. But that's where we're at.
2: Things change. Change in a hurry. Well, the running backs were the only guys running off the new teams. Quarterbacks Darius Slay and Chris Harris Jr. found new homes this week. Darius Slay was traded to the Eagles for a third and fifth round pick, and thanks to a contract extension, is now the highest paid corner in the league. Slay was traded after a vocal request for one, citing unhappiness with Lions coach Matt Patricia. Meanwhile, Chris Harris Jr. moves on from Denver as the last member of a secondary to help win this Broncos Super Bowl 50. The former undrafted free agent inked a two-year, $20 million deal with the Chargers, adding to a defense that's become pretty stacked. All right, Jay, which of these corners will provide more value to their team? Well, first of all, I got to
0: say um, it, it's, it's a sad day when Chris Harris leaves the Mile High City. Um, you guys know I got great love for this guy, undrafted. At of University of Kansas in 2011 and made himself into, you know, one of the best cornerbacks in this league, perhaps one of the most underrated of uh, this decade. I, I think he' the best slot cornerback in the league, bar none. I, yeah, I'd agree with that. And uh, you just consider what he's done with his career. And, and last year, considering the injuries the Denver Broncos dealt with in their secondary, he showed he can do more than just play the slot. He can play outside as well. Although, you know, in a, the, the best, his best attribute is probably playing in a slot. That's probably where he's most comfortable and can really do a lot of damage. But I'm not going with Chris Harris in this scenario. I'm going with Jer- Darius Slade. And in, in regards to what you said in the lead-in, I'm not going to be mad at nobody. Especially somebody like Darius Slade for having problems and issues with Matt Patricia. Because let's be honest. We know the only reason Matt Patricia walking around with a head coaching job is because he one of them dudes that worked for Bill Belichick, hanging out, coaching that defense, got a pencil in his ear with laminated sheets out there, and just that, that that's just how people get, get these jobs. We see it. We see it with Bill O'Brien down there in Houston. We talked about him a, a couple of days ago. So I'm not mad at Darius Slay for that. And when, when I consider him moving on to Philadelphia and now he's going to work, for his old head coach that drafted him and Jim Schwartz, who's a defensive coordinator coordinator over there in Philadelphia. I think that's uh I think that's incentive for us to see the best of Darius Slay in the upcoming season. And oh by the way, you know we've talked about this plenty of times. That Philadelphia Eagles secondary last year, the year before, has been god awful. The only dude back there worth a dime. It's Malcolm Jenkins. And that dude just went on down in New Orleans. Now, maybe Rodney McLeod. Rodney McLeod's a nice player at that other safety position. But this is from the Eagles ESPN reporter Tim McManus. He described that secondary as a blank slate heading into this offseason. I don't think he meant no harm in it. I think what he meant was we just got a lot of dudes leaving in free agency. And, you know, with that being said, we just ain't got nobody under contract right now. But I interpreted it as they're just bad. Let me give you some of these names, what they've been dealing with. Avante Maddox, Cravon LeBlanc, Rasul Douglas, and Sidney Jones. These are the type of dudes we've been watching out there for years. And that's not even including Jalen Mills, who is out there posing as a number one corner after Ronald Darby gets hurt. And oh, by the way, he's not going to be back as it it appears. So if there was such a need, we talked about this last year, the trade deadline. Why couldn't the Eagles get themselves a defensive back to, like, help these dudes and, like, stop anybody? Because you know they couldn't stop a nosebleed back there. But you bring in Darius Slay, and what does that do for you? It gets you a bona fide corner who can autom- – you automatically don't have to worry about one side in the field. What that does for you, it allows a guy like Jalen Mills to move to the number two corner position. And perhaps you can roll safety help to his side, and you, you can maybe – you can help him out a little bit more because you don't have to worry about Darius Slay on the other side of the field. You know he's going to handle his business. You also have to take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles up front. They got a nice pass rush. When I'm thinking about Fletcher Cox, I'm thinking about Brandon Graham and some of these guys. They can get pressure on the quarterback. I don't think the Lions for years now, I mean, I I don't see the Lions amongst the league leaders in sacks uh, ever. So – could that perhaps put more pressure on your secondary? I think it does. And that that's a testament to how productive and excellent Darius Slay was in his time in Detroit. So now with a, with a good pass rush, that's going to help Darius Slay even more. So what I'm looking with this question, the combination of Jim Schwartz, the combination of the need that the Philadelphia Eagles had at this position, and that pass rush assisting the back end of that defense – it's Darius Slay for me. I'll take him. I'll give him a slight edge over Chris Harris.
1: So when when we talk about this, it, it's certain cities that I think about in NFL where I'm just like nobody wants to go there. Buffalo is the first one that comes to my mind. Detroit, cities like this. And the reason I bring it up is Darius, Darius Slay. Oh, just to Chris Harris. You heard what I just said. I, I can tell you right now, whether you want to say it or not, I think Chris Harris has been the best slot receiver in the NFL for years. I mean, when he gets in that slot position, he's going to shut whoever he's playing down. And I'm willing to give him that. But here's the deal. Darryl has been just the, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL for years. And the reason people have overlooked him, the reason people have, you know, Probably haven't gave him the respect that he deserved is because he plays in Detroit. It's like no one, no one takes Detroit serious. Like, all right, man, the Motor City. Like who cares? I remember vividly watching a Pro Bowl practice years ago where he's going back and forth. I want to say it was DeAndre Hopkins. I'm really comfortable with DeAndre Hawkins. He's going back and forth. They talking smack, and Darius Slay says that he was like, "Hey, if I play in like Dallas." If I played in Green Bay or something, I get the respect I deserve. But I play down in Detroit. So guys tend to forget about me or the fans don't know who I am because I play in this blanket, you know, franchise. So I'm happy for him. He finally gets to go over to a franchise where we know who the players are over there at the Eagles, even if they don't perform, you know, Nelson Aguilar, dropping babies. But either way, if he's going to a franchise where he can, you know, um build his brand, expand his brand. Be one of the better players on defense. And God knows you done said this. They need it. They need all the help they can get in that secondary. I mean, they couldn't stop nobody with that secondary. Neither do I think they tried. now that I think about it. I don't (laughs) know if they really tried or not. But (laughs) neither here nor there, you know, they need all the help they can get. And, I, you know, I'm happy for Derek Slate. I'm glad he's going back there to help that putrid defense. I'm not going to beat him up anymore. It is what it is. And, listen, we knew when when A.J. Boye got traded from Jacksonville to Denver, we the writing was on the wall. You said it. We knew Chris Harris was heading on out of town. Um, I, I, I do look at this as an opportunity that maybe he can make a bigger name for himself now. He can go over there to the Chargers. And it, listen, that defense – on the back end could use some help to help, um, you know, Durbin James back there or whatnot. So it's not like he's going to some ready-made, hey, just add water and stick it in the microwave defense here. He's going to have to put in some work. But I think it would help him be – give him that household name as an overall cornerback than just a slot cornerback as I look at him as. It would give him a chance to get give him the overall product. But, yeah, man, I'm taking Darius Slay all day and two times on Sunday.
2: Yeah, for this one, guys, I mean, I would say it's pretty close to a tie, but I I would say that, yeah, definitely Darius Slay is a guy that is more needed by their team. Uh, I I think Jay's absolutely right with that. Um, You're you're talking about a guy, again, I mean, those injuries were were bad, and we saw some dudes doing things they should never be doing in that Philadelphia secondary, because they were on TV a lot. I mean, these were – they had a lot of (laughs) national games because of that – crazy dumpster fire playoff race uh, where they had this like a snail race or something. It was just, it was horrible, you know? Oh. And, um, but yeah, that whole secondary, they got forced into all this zone coverage and, and whatnot with, you know, Jim Schwartz had to just, he had to just rip all the paper off the wall and, and make it up as he went because there was no one out there. Well, you get a guy like Darius Slay, that whole thing changes. I mean, one player like that can just change. It can change everything. It can change your play calling. And, you know, like you said, you know, your pass rush starts getting there. You got a little bit more coverage. Hey, Hey, it also works the other way. You got a little bit better coverage. Your pass rush has more time to get there if the quarterback's holding on to the ball. So there's always a link there. And this takes a ton of pressure off some of those guys that they were using. And they can get back to doing what they should be doing, which is being some, you know, a lot of them being role players. Um, but yeah, the, the other problem with with the, the other thing with the Darius Slate uh, trade is the Matt Patricia era, man, is just continuing. It, the era was down when he got there, and that era just is still going down. I I haven't really liked anything I've saw out of that. I don't like that they spent the whole off season building the Patriots North uh, West, I, I guess you would call it. Can't really Midwest, call it South, yeah. but um, you know they're, they're signing a lot of these dudes. <laughs> <and> the Patriots, <laughs> the, these whatever guys. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't. Whatever the case is, you're six and ten. Uh, lat, the year before, now you're 3-12 and 12 this past season. You've been in the basement of the NFC North. You're just wasting Matt Stafford. Y'all retire Calvin Johnson early. I mean, good Lord. It's just, and this guy has done nothing. And now you're running off like franchise players. I mean, we can call Darius Slay a franchise player, right? And you go in there, and I read, I read something that Darius Slay wrote or said that, you know, one of the first things he heard from Matt Patricia was, oh, well, you're not elite dude, even if you think that, <laughs> why are you going there telling the man that? I guess he was, <laughs> they were clowning him in team meetings and stuff. I mean, it was, there was a, there's a couple articles on it. That's just, you, you know, if you, if you want to hear some, you want to read some crap, man, go read it. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: What's Bill Belichick teaching these guys? What You got Bill O'Brien out here talking about Aaron Hernandez, and then his first words, are you not elite? Like, what, Yo, what is going on?
2: I don't know.
0: To that, to that point, these, these Bill Belichick uh the guys that work for Bill Belichick that get head coaching jobs they must just come in all high and all high and mighty like they didn't done something yeah, so. you yeah you you ain't like when you come in as a rookie head coach you ain't done nothing at that level no one cares about what you did as an assistant like I, so yeah obviously that's 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 what I, that's one of the things we can look at in terms of coming in with your chest too far out And, you know, talking about, oh, you not this. Well, man, you don't even look like a head coach. You ever met a razor? Come on, man. What are you? Hey, come on now. What are
2: you? But, uh, but yeah. You got a head coach, though. Why you think
0: Rob Ryan couldn't get a job?
2: Oh, Let's man. Be real. yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, that that whole situation is rough. And I'm yeah. glad that a, a player like him got out of there and is going to go with a team that desperately needs him. I mean, we remember the Eagles were talking about Jalen Ramsey, you know, back during the regular season. They were a big candidate to trade for him. So they've been looking for help for a while and they finally got it. But there is work to be done in that secondary. And, yeah, for the Chargers, I, I like that now, man, that defense is getting really good. I mean, you got serious talent at every level. You, got, you added Linval Joseph to go alongside Joey yeah. Bosa. You got Melvin Ingram and Denzel Perryman running around in the middle, uh, round right out that front seven. And then now you add, you know, Chris Harris in with guys like Derwin James. I mean, yeah, the, the corners aren't as good. You, you got a lot, you know, Desmond King's always hurt. You got a couple other guys that are filling in. But they were pretty good. And now you're gonna get Chris Harris added to that backfield. That defense is gonna carry a lot of water. We're talking about a team that we don't know what they're doing with Tyrod Taylor or whatever quarterbacks they're messing with, but that defense can carry some serious water. And I hate to give Gus Bradley any credit, but man, he's had he's had he's been doing a good job. I mean, he really has been with those that team. And you've got to think this is the best unit he's had to date. So if you're looking, for, if you're a Chargers fan, you got to think that that defense they're ready to carry some water, and Chris Harris is going to be a big part of it uh, going in. Yeah, this and
0: uh, yeah, and to that point, I, I really like what they're building out there as far as that defense. And to, to the original question, I, I wouldn't say I, I don't look at Darius Slade, especially definitively as a better player than Chris Harris. I think what, what you said in your opening that it's probably about a tie, and I probably at this stage would give a slight edge to Chris Harris. But, again, it's about the need for Philadelphia. And one guy we haven't brought up was uh, Casey Hayward for the Los Angeles Chargers who year a year ago he was all pro, led the league in interceptions. So he's another guy we can't forget about. But also as far as the Chargers, you lost Phillip Rivers. You lost Melvin Gordon. So I, I understand you're you bringing Hunter Henry back, and we like some of those wide receivers. But I got serious questions about their offense going forward. And we know we've seen and, you know, a Jaguar fan can probably attest to it the most. A bad offense can really wear down and bring down a great defense. A great defense can only, at some point, it's only going to take you so far. So that's another thing I'm concerned about. As good as that Charger defense is, I'm not sure if they'll be able to be enough to elevate that offense.
2: All right, fellas, let's move on to some guys that don't have homes yet starting with two big-name quarterbacks. Cam Newton's camp has been exploring trade options for the 30-year-old former MVP. So far, not much has materialized, and the Panthers could release Newton soon, avoiding his $21 million cap hit this year. Another guy to look for looking for work is no other than famous Jameis Winston, after being ran out of town by Tom Brady in Tampa. Former first overall pick is off a 5,033 touchdown, 30 interception season, but hasn't received much in the way of starting job offers. So let's go ahead and start with Cam, drink. What, what team do you see Cam playing for in 2020? Ooh, I'm going to a
1: sip of my drink for this one. Hold on. All right. Here's the deal. First of all, we got to get a health report on Cam Newton. That's first and foremost. That's why I think a lot of buyers are not in his market right now because we don't even know how healthy. We don't know what we're going to get back out of Cam Newton. So, you know, we got to play it by if. But let's say tomorrow they say he's all clear, good to go, ready to resume. Well, you know, forgot about the coronavirus, but you, you know what I mean. They're, let's get this ball rolling. So I mean, the top three teams I see out here, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Patriots, those teams are teams that are kind of in the market looking for somebody. Um, and, and, yes, I do know the Chargers said Tyrod Taylor is going to take them in the future. But yeah, let's be whatever. serious here. We, we're Patriots talking about also a team that said they
2: were keeping Cam, so.
1: Yeah, well, we knew that was garbage. When well, this is the line season, so we know every franchise is going to lie about something. You know what I mean? We just yeah. got to find out what it is. Whether it's free agency, draft pick, something, they're going to lie about something. But here's the deal. Um, I do think that it's a high possibility that he do go to the Chargers. Let me tell you why. We just talked about all the guys that left the Chargers. My biggest thing with the Chargers is this. They need to sell tickets. And Tyrod Taylor ain't selling you no tickets. I'm sorry to tell you. He ain't selling you no tickets. Now, you did a good thing by going out there and getting the previously mentioned Darius Slate for your defense. That's good to go. You made the defense better. We like that. But... You mean, you, mean,
0: you mean Chris Harris,
1: right? Oh, that, I'm sorry. Chris Harris. They got, they got me. Anyway, so... You need somebody that's on the offense since for some reason you couldn't get Tom Brady. I don't know why you let Tom Brady go to Tampa Bay. You couldn't bring him in. That would have been a solidified ticket seller for you. Probably would have sold the game out for you. The next best thing I think that's out there now is Cam Newton. He was once the guy. He was an MVP. Um, I don't get carried away with Cam Newton, though, because Cam Newton only had one good season. You take that one season out of the rest of his career, he was Average, mediocre at best. People like to hype up Cam Newton because of that MVP season. Take that MVP season out and give me them numbers. Holler at your boy on them numbers. It, it, he ain't this as spectacular as people like to make him look. With that said, though, I do think he can comp- he can compel the Chargers up a little bit to making them more interesting as a team because he does bring you elements that, let's say, the Chargers ain't had in quite a while because, Phillip Rivers wasn't running anywhere. So you get you you get the dual threat. You get this big old quarterback that's about the size of most linebackers. You get them back there. Now you're saying, hey, Austin, I know you can't see over me, but I need you to like move over to the side a little bit so you can see what's going on. need you to read your block assignments. And now you got your little something going on in the backfield. Um, he's used to throwing a taller quarterback, so he'll benefit Mike Williams very, very well over there when throwing it down the field to a taller quarterback, and then he got Keenan Allen. I think the pieces with Hunter Henry, the pieces could be good. That's the place I see him going, but I'd have been wrong about all these dudes. Like I thought Philip Rivers was going to be on the couch. <laughs> I thought Tom Brady was going to go to the Chargers. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to throw that out there that I've been missing left and right. I'm like that field goal kick in the XFL. Just come talk to me when I'm wrong. So, I don't know, man. I that that's my pick. I'm I'm gonna go with Cam Newton. Um, but until I hear a health report, I'm not even sold on him going anywhere. To be honest with you, so yeah, that's how I look at that.
0: Yeah, the the health is obviously the wild card in all this. And again, is seeing how uh, we we talked about you know the the Matt Rule comments about Cam Newton. You know, what weeks ago, a month ago, or so. And I think I think we all saw right through those. So it's safe to say we, we got to take any word that we get from the Panthers in regards to Cam Newton, you know, with a grain of salt. But when you look when you look at the landscape of the NFL, it really only appears that there are two teams right now with like legitimate quarterback openings. And that would be the Chargers and the Patriots. So I think those are two great places to start. And I'm on the other end of this one. I, li- I like the Patriots here. And the reason the reason why is I'm looking at a guy, Bill Belichick. I, I can't I, I just can't foresee any scenario on earth to where Jared Stidham is taking snaps week one. I gotta believe Bill Belichick is gonna do something. And I mean, the Patriots ain't one of these teams picking high in the first round ever. So it ain't it ain't gonna come from the draft, at least not, you know those high profile surefire dudes or so we think it's not going to be burrow. It's not going to be your burrows or your tours. So that's going to cut down on some of your options. And it's going to be a little bit more risky, but I'm looking at Cam Newton. I-, I think that would be really tempting if I'm Bill Belichick. I mean, you, you mentioned, yeah, Cam- a lot of Cam Newton, the-, the hype that comes around him and the allure is primarily due to one season but that one season was absolutely outstanding and within one game of being of being Super Bowl champions and we can't forget before the injury in 2018 he was having a he was having a very good season he was completing a career high in, in passes by 68% 24 touchdowns and 13 interceptions and one of the things I've said with Cam Newton as he ages one of the things I was looking at was his ability to throw the football more consistently from the pocket because as he ages and all and you just add up all the hits he's taken in his career. You got to believe that all that great athleticism and his ability to run the football in between the tackles. That's one of those things you'd like to see him cut down on those attempts and be and do more of his work from the pocket. That's what I saw in 2018. Now, it's a it's a big if. But if we can if we can notice he is healthy and pending health, I got to believe this is something Bill Belichick would be interested in because, you know, you know what the narrative is. It's, it's a, and it's a two way narrative. Who can who can have success without the other? Can Bill get it done without TB12 or can TB12 get it done without Bill? That's what we all waiting to see. And I think I think Bill's got a lot of pride up there. But I don't. how hard do you want to make it? Do you really want to – do you have such a big chip on your shoulder that you're going to be like, yeah, boy, I'm going to show you. I'm going to put Stidham out there, and y'all going to get the business with this fourth-round pick that y'all thought couldn't do nothing. I don't know if he wants to make it that hard. G- give me somebody proven. Give me somebody that's got, like, legitimate NFL accomplishments, and we'll see what you can do with him. Because we know – look, the only thing that's changed is Tom Brady ain't there. You still got Bill Belichick. Josh McDaniels is still a as much as much as we not sold on him as a head coach, as an offensive coordinator, I think there's a lot to like up there. So with all those things in mind, I, I like Cam Newton being a patriot. I don't know, I don't know if I see it happening, but that's what I would do if I was a Patriots.
1: Well, hold on, Cody. Let me get a little pushback. So you think you telling me now that Bill Belichick wants this Cam Newton ego to come up there. Mr. I worry about my wardrobe more than what the game plan of Sunday's you know next opponent. He wants that on his team.
0: I just I don't I don't think so. I don't think Bill he read about that. And 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 that's why I said I don't know if it happens because there there may be some like there may be an issue of fit. Cam Newton may not fit the Patriot way, but all, all those wardrobe things and like post game press conference. Don't you think that's a little overblown? Like, I don't see that as such a big issue. I don't see it as an Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry can't figure out what shoes they want to wear. And it's like actually a big deal. I mean, Cam Newton coming out there in the press conference looking like <laughs> looking like one of them, you know, old women going to church or whatever. It just it's just more of a joke to me. I don't see it as a legit big deal. But. But that is. I do a think point. he. I think he spends a lot
1: of time on that, though. I do that, think that he spends be. more time than the average player, you know, working out here looking like a super villain or something. Like he, I, and I don't think Bill is gonna have the patience to deal with that because he wants you in the book. He wants you in the game plan, and you sitting there. Like I don't care what you're gonna wear to the game, man. I don't care about your. Half. Don't come with that lethargic attitude cuz you know Cam Newton emotions is like a roller coaster when they win he's good when they lose he's oh i don't feel like yeah. man this game this game ain't fun no more blah 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 and, and i just
0: don't i just don't see Bill saying okay yeah i like this i like i want to deal with that you know what see, i mean See that's that's a see that's a, that's a dangerous that's a dangerous argument though because we know if there's anybody that takes some risk on some dudes it's the New England Patriots we've seen that's it a, so that's a fact so I mean, we we just we just talked about it Wednesday. Good old Bill O'Brien was bringing one of much one of the most notorious of them all. And hey, Bill brought him in. So, hey, I I, I agree. Hey, in the end, I do agree with you. It may not be a good fit as far as Bill is concerned, but it is the best option that's available. And we've seen we have seen guys come in and embody that Patriot way, fit right in. And I think Cam Newton is capable of doing that. The only question I got is his health.
2: Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I, I I can't believe there's not more of a market for him. I mean, drink you are right. Outside of that one year, the stats are – they're not amazing. You get about 30, 3,500 yards out of him. You get about 25 touchdowns or so, and you get about 13, 15 picks. I mean, it's, it's not – but it's consistent. That's what I like about it is you know what you're getting every year. I mean, this guy was consistent. He was he was really solid when it came to start. He hardly missed games. I mean, if he did, it was a game or two here and there. The dude was durable. He put up good numbers. And that's you know surprising considering the, the brand of football he plays. And I don't know. It just feels like the league has almost moved on from him. I know how like quarterbacks get, you get this flavor of the month or the year. Of, oh, this year it's sell your stock on pocket passes. We're buying Lamar Jackson. And then next year it's going to yeah. be, oh, we're selling Lamar Jackson. We're buying this. Like it just – it seems like we get so caught up in the narrative of it. Um, but it does feel like, like no one's really interested in him and that kind of play style. But yeah, I mean, he, this last season, he really was making some changes to his game. He was completing more of his passes. And I agree. I think the Patriots are a, a fit that just makes sense. Cause at this point we're all going, what are they going to do? I mean, dudes are getting signed, they're moving. And then it's just radio silence up there in new England, you know? And, and it's like, what are we like? I, I, I agree. I, I just, there's no way I, I can see them trotting out Jared, you know, freaking sit them week one. And I also don't believe the Chargers are gonna start Tyrod Taylor week one without a riot or having some other plan on their hands. I just cool. don't like all ten fans that soccer stadium be rioting or well but then <laughs> But uh maybe there's more fans, who knows? But but yeah, I mean Cam, you know, he has he brings the star power to the Chargers, you know, in their in their endeavors, or he's a guy that New England can bring in as a really solid guy they could improve on. And, and you know, so either one makes some sense. Uh, I want to get y'all's thoughts on James Winston, too, real quick. Uh, start with you, Jay. You think, oh, Mr. 30 for 30 is going to start in 2020 or is he going to be a uh, backup? Hey, just
0: just one point to add on what you said about Cam Newton and his passing statistics. The thing that elevated him and made up for the lack of gaudy passing statistics was his rushing numbers. That's what kind of even things out, because when you take when you took that in consideration, th- that made that made it a whole lot better because, you know, Philip Rivers could throw for, you know, 3,500, 4,000 yards. But
1: but you just said you don't want that from him no more, though. You don't want him running the ball as much no more. So if he don't run the ball that much, but he don't throw a good amount of yards, like, what are you really getting?
0: That, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying in years past. But remember what I said about the 2018 season when his completion percentage was, you know, about 10% of his points higher than his career average. That's what we need to see, see going forward with the rushing attempts down. I agree. You want more consistency from him from the pocket and fewer rushing attempts, so he's not putting himself in harm's way more often. I was just making the point. In years past, the passing statistics weren't all that great, but the rushing attempts and all the rushing yards and the touchdowns he did from that kind of even things out. So, but hey, with with Jameis Winston, I said there's only two spots available or so I think, and I already I got Cam Newton going to the uh, Patriots. So, yeah, I got Jameis Winston going out to the Chargers in a starting role. That's because that's that's really the only starting role I see available. So Hey, hey, and, and to go to your point where uh, we're talking about selling tickets <laughs> in a new stadium, I mean, he, he won't sell as many tickets as uh, Cam Newton, but he's going to sell tickets because you know it's going to be an adventure <laughs> coming to a stadium near you when everybody get out of the daggone quarantine and they actually fill up the stadium <laughs> for us. So, hey, yeah. Cam, you know Jameis come out there – well, a thirty for thirty, or you know, hope, hopefully we can get some. We cut the interceptions now. Go, go down about twenty or so, and that's still terrible. But we we can live with that. We can stomach that a little bit more. I mean, Philip Rivers threw twenty picks last year, and he over there in Indianapolis. They they so they you know they believe he can handle it. But yeah, I mean, it, it go back to what you saying, Cody. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, he's a nice player, but we know that we know there's a ceiling, and it's. It's not that far above my head. They ain't going nowhere with Tyrod Taylor. It's, I mean, you you really going to trot Tyrod Taylor out there twice a year and let Patrick Mahomes just rickroll you? Is that really what you're going to do? And I'm telling you, Anthony Lynn, I'm not sold. I'm not sold on Anthony Lynn as a head coach. I, I got about, what, one playoff appearance, I think it is, in three seasons. I'm going to need a little bit more. And th- there's got to be some amount of pressure – to get something done and be better than you were last year. Because last year was an absolute train wreck. It was horrible. And I will I will say this about the Chargers. We got and we gotta remember this. We talked about the Panthers getting Teddy Bridgewater, and I've I've got them out of taking a quarterback in the first round with that in mind. The Chargers are picking sixth. They still they could have an opportunity to trade up and get to it if they want, if they want to jump the Dolphins. Or they can get somebody else. They can get a Justin Herbert. They can get a Jordan Love. They can do one of these things. They are not stuck with Tyrod Taylor. And that whole narrative that they're moving forward with him is a joke. Because we know the, the Chargers have a lot of talent. We talked about how what they've done on the defensive side of the ball. And the skill position, guys, when you consider Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, there's a lot of weapons and a lot of talent on that roster. And you're absolutely wasting it if you stick with Tyrod Taylor. I would take Jameis Winston over Tyrod Taylor. Would would y'all not? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. But, yeah, I would. But I would. that's the but that's the only position. That's the only team right now I can see him starting. That that's the only opportunity I see out there. Anything else would have to be in a backup role.
1: Nah, I'm a, you know I'm gonna go ahead and uh, flip the script on this one. I think I, I think James Winston meets the criteria with the Patriots a lot more than he meets um, because he's not a runner. And I'm a, listen. Here's the deal. Josh McDaniel, you just said it. We don't care for the guy as a head coach, but the guy gets the job done as offense offensive coordinator. I think that team will bring some much required discipline. That team will bring um, a better structure than he done had up to this point. You got to understand, he's been in Tampa Bay with a revolving door of coaches, uh, a culture of losing. Um, yeah, I, I want to say Bruce Arians is by far probably the best coach he done had as far as the offensive mind go, right? And then Byron Lefkowitz, that connection. Well, I think he goes down to well, – where he goes up to New England. He gets, he links up with Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels hit him with a little salt, sprinkling him with a little, you know, a little this, a little that. You can do this. You can do that. This will make you better. My only problem is he don't have weapons if he goes to New England. And that's one thing you have to look at. But I do think he can be a better quarterback, a overall quarterback, if he goes to New England because they're going to give him the tangibles that we don't think about until it's too late, like Baker Mayfield, for example. We didn't think about his lack of leadership or his immaturity all that much because we've seen the way he finished the season before, and we just figured all this talent and the way he finished the season, oh, man, I mean, Freddie Kitchens is unproven, but, man, with all this talent, why do you need that? And then we've seen it um, front page that we like, man, what's wrong with Baker Mayfield? Why are you doing all this? He's talking too much. Why are saying all this? Why are you doing this? His lack of maturity came forefront. His, you know, his lack of decision making forefront. And then what we started, well, I say what majority of media started saying then was they need a grown up, they need an adult. Now Kevin Stefanski in there, we we're gonna see if he's the guy to make it happen. But that matters. And when you have a young, immature quarterback, listen, Jameis Winston is known. More for what he did off the field than what he did on the field. Let's just be serious. Let's call it what we call it. If you want to talk about all the crap he pulled in college, then you want to talk about the whole Uber driver incident while he was suspended for like the first four to six games a season ago. Like the guy, his maturity um, is not where it needs to be. You need a coach to rein him in. He has the ability, he has the talent. You just need somebody to mold him and say, listen, Young fella, if you want to be better, if you really want to get through in this game, you got to sit your butt down and listen. You got to take this a little more serious. When you ain't coming here with that bull crap. And I think New England is the franchise for them. The Chargers, no. They're too worried about why the why in the world did we even leave San Diego? That's what the Chargers are doing right now. Why in the world people do not even come to our game? So you don't want to take them to that little cluster. You want to bring them over to New England, put them in the system, and see what you can make out of them.
0: That's a uh, that's a lot of the 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 red flag maturity issues with Jameis Winston. That's a that's a lot of baggage for Bill Belichick to handle, and I I, I would argue he's got more baggage and <laughs> much more poor decision making than Cam Newton does. But,
1: Jam- but James Winston ain't never been an MVP. James Winston wasn't uh, yeah, like the, I'm talking about. Cam Newton was once like considered the face of the NFL, like at, at mm-hmm. a short period of time because his size and what he did and how he was so big and he was running over people. And like I said, he didn't play in the Super Bowl. Jamie Winston have not even played in a playoff game, less known in Super Bowl. So I'm thinking it's more realistic to sit him down and say, hey, if you want more out of your career, do okay. this. Whereas if Cam Newton it could be like, I done made it. Like, I played in the Super Bowl. What you going to tell me? I ain't played in the highest game. I ain't played under pressure. Oh, you going to tell me I ain't played good enough to be an MVP? Oh, I've been that too. So that, that's what I mean about the ego, and as far as like the different dynamics you would deal with with Cam Newton rather than James Winston.
0: Oh, yeah, all you got to do is ask him, Hey, did did you win though? I, the answer you didn't. True. Win, so James Winston ain't got <laughs> nothing. Him. He ain't got
2: nothing. You should have no dove on the fumble, Cam.
0: <laughs> yeah, he still would have lost.
2: <laughs> yeah, y'all got to leave my man Jameis alone. He's doing his best, all right. No, I, I yeah, so, You know, I watched the guy at Florida State, and I, I can't believe at this point we haven't. He hasn't cleaned this up. And like the thing is, like with the quarterbacks, w- what are ninety percent of quarterbacks that don't make it? They're just average, right? They just they go out there and do average stuff. They get thrown on a scrap heap with five, 10, 15 other dudes. You could just take and interchange, right? No, you you don't throw for five thousand yards and thirty three touchdowns without doing something right. I mean, you just don't. I mean, I mean, he's done this season after season. He's put up these gaudy numbers. But the interceptions are just – they're horrible. And I have to think, like, th- there's got to be something you can reclaim here, right? This isn't something – you you don't give up on 5,033, even if 30 is also really bad. There's got to be something here. And, yeah, Brady and uh, – or Bill and McDaniels really seem like the best – I mean, if they can't get it out of you, then, well, I guess this is just what you are, whatever, right? But I, I don't think that Bill Belichick is going to go down that road. I, I Something – It it makes sense until you kind of, but then when you think about it in real world, like I just I don't see the Patriots going after that and and bringing that in and kind of like putting their eggs in that basket per se. Um, I I think Winston's gonna have to. I think he's gonna have to take a backup job. I think Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. I think you go behind Big Ben if he gets hurt again, you know, because they know all the the clowns they got there aren't worth much. Um, You know, maybe maybe even for the right price, New Orleans wants him as a backup to replace Bridgewater. You know, Jacksonville could be not completely solid on Gardner Minshew and need a backup now. I mean, there's a couple backup roles that would make some sense Like he could potentially get back into starting with. But, yeah, at this point in time, I just I think that there's got to be a coach that can unlock something with him that hasn't been done yet. And it could just be work ethic. He could just be a guy that doesn't take it serious and whatever. But it's a shame because there's so much talent in him and to see him just throwing it to whoever's open, no matter what jersey they're wearing it sucks because he could be, he has the talent to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He just doesn't put it together. And that's a shame. All right, fellas, let's wrap up tonight with a look at the rest of the free agents remaining besides the two aforementioned quarterbacks. There's a lot of talent left. The Davian Clowney heads, headlines. Most lists as a former Texan Seahawk waste contract options for 2020. Robbie Anderson, Everson Griffin, Emmanuel Sanders, Devontae Freeman, and Eric Reed are just a few of many names left for teams to sign. Jay, of these guys remaining, who's the most surprising to see still around, and is there a diamond in the rough out there?
0: Yeah, the most obvious has got to be Jadavion Clowney, and uh, it's got to be a case of the market just not being what he thought it was going to be, and some of this, some of this has got to be just when you look at pass rushers, you know, the obvious statistic you're going to look at is sacks, and he only had three of them last year, which is just outrageous when you think about it. But really, the only game I'm looking at last season where I really think Clowney put his stamp on the game was that, that primetime, it was a Monday night game against the, uh, yeah. the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers and, he, yeah. and he completely, he was a game wrecker in that game. And it's just one of those situations where the consistency just doesn't appear to be there. And that could be a reason that He's still on the market, but, I mean, the talent is undeniable. And when you saw what he did in that game, because at the time, the 49ers had not lost a game yet. And this is a team that ended up making it to a Super Bowl, and they were dominant for much of the season. And Jadavion Clowney made – I mean, the 49ers got some good offensive linemen, and he was toying with them all night. So that, that is, that's absolutely surprising, and well, he, he's going to get signed eventually, but I guess it just won't be for the money – Uh, he wants... I'm looking at Emmanuel Sanders uh, when you talk about diamonds in the rough. I know he's 33 years of age, but if Jimmy Garoppolo makes one more throw in the Super Bowl, we could be having a different discussion and singing a different tune, and that was Sanders running that deep route right down the middle of the field that Garoppolo missed him on, and uh, yeah, you know, he looked pretty good to me. I know he came off an Achilles injury uh, the season before last, but Denver let him go. They traded him to San Francisco. That to me, that was the big trade that really, really took that offense to the next level. And it appears to me, I think he's got a lot of football left. I like his route running. I like his toughness. Uh, He still can get behind the defense. So Emmanuel Sanders, he's going to play football next season. I still look at him as a guy who can be a starting receiver for you. And I'm looking at You know, you consider the lack of weapons for Carson Wentz last season. Maybe this is a guy they look at bringing in. Maybe not, though. When you consider you got Deshaun Jackson, he's pretty old. I don't know if you want to have two old receivers out there. But, I mean, you talked about Aguilar. You know, we know he ain't reliable. He's the last person you would want to be uh, carrying an infant around. And then, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, he's been sort of lackluster and just injury prone lately and. The Eagles need more weapons. Perhaps they should look at a guy like Emmanuel Sanders to come on board.
1: Yeah, like Jay said, Jadavid Clonan, that's the obvious. Like, we didn't foresee him being on the market this long. We And I'm going to be honest, I'm very surprised what went down between his conversation between uh, the Texans, going from the Texans to Seattle. Because if I remember correctly, I thought the reason he picked Seattle because there was some understanding that they would sign him to a longer-term deal once the season was over. I guess that didn't happen as I was hearing it. And they, you know, pulled a card and said, no, nah, you didn't give us enough. All right, cool. Um, that's the obvious. Another guy I want to look at that also played a defensive end position, Everson Griff- uh, Griffins. I-, I thought, you know, I thought he was doing pretty well. I mean, yeah, he's 32. We know that age is 30. It just it tends to be that, that negative hanging fruit over your head once you hit 30 in the position. But you know, I thought he played very well for uh, Minnesota. I was very surprised. Now maybe they didn't want to pay him. You know, his salary cap lead. You don't know, want to pay him. You let him go. But I thought as soon as he announced he was he wasn't coming back, somebody was gonna be like, "Hey, sign him up. Let's get him on the hill. Let's go ahead." I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by the time we post this show, he didn't sign with a team. Who knows? Um. So. I was very surprised to see that um, he still, he's still out there on the free agency. Uh, my diamond in the rough, uh, I'm going to go with, well, I wanted to say Emmanuel Sanders first, but I take this segment second. <laughs> so, um, And the only reason I say that is because this. I thought a deal between him and the Dallas Cowboys was signed, sealed, and delivered. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, they're working on them all. Oh, they're going to eat something. This is going to be a good pickup. The manual center is going to be a replacement for Randall Cobb. All right, here we go. And today they say, uh, no, no, not so much. So I do think within the next coming days, he will get signed. Just like uh, Jay said, he still got juice in him. It's not like he was like some guy that was just gimpy, just flopping around the field. Because if you remember when he first got to San Francisco, hey, that was Jimmy Garoppolo's guy. That was his guy. He hooked up with him all the time. It was him and Kittles. And um, all of a sudden, you know, he got hurt or something, and, you know, their um, relationship got a little frizzle, got a little frazzled-dazzled there. Um, but I do think he will get signed. I just don't understand why the Cowboys didn't sign him. I don't think he was asking for that much money, but we'll see what that is. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Everson uh, Griffiths as my – Surprise guy, and I go with Emmanuel Sanders as my diamond in a row.
2: Yeah, uh, Jadavian Clowney. I, I am a little bit surprised uh, as well that he hasn't found a home yet. You know, you're right. The the stats were down for Seattle, but he's still a really impactful player. I think the Jets might pick him up. That's just a team I'm kind of kicking around, thinking about. But um, for the right price, the Jets defense could go from pretty good to great. You know, with his addition, a couple of the guys in that line already, maybe take some pressure off him to be as good as. You know, maybe he was with Houston and he was at his best when he had, you know, J.J. Watt opposite him. And we know how defensive ends go. You get another guy that can do what you do. Makes your life a little bit easier. And yeah, as far as the biggest surprises go, again, Emmanuel Sanders, but also Robbie Anderson, both of them, I'm just surprised that the wide receiver market really hasn't kind of been all that hot. I mean, you had, of course, Mari Cooper got paid. I mean, no doubt on that. And you had Hopkins, you know, his highway robbery to Arizona and Stephon Diggs. But then, you know, you look after that, you think there'd be OK the teams will start kind of picking it up as far as. You know, there's not a lot of big free agents after those guys. So the few you have, like Anderson and like Sanders, you would expect. You know, like y'all said, Sanders, 36 receptions, 502 yards, three touchdowns in 10 games is a big difference with San Francisco. You, you think, despite the age, he would get a deal somewhere? Jay, like we said about the Eagles, that's a that's not a bad idea at all. And then why the Jets haven't tried to you know keep Anderson or been more productive in getting him a deal? Like what? Who's, who's Sam Darnold will throw the ball to? I mean, my Ain't God. no lie.
0: Yeah, like I mean, like they just up there swimming in offensive weapons. Right. Like.
2: I mean, they've done nothing. And then the one offensive weapon you have, it's like, uh, well, we'll, yep. we'll look it in the purse. So we'll see what we can do.
0: Oh, um, yeah. We looked at it, and then we checked Le'Veon's bank account, and that's where it
2: all is. Yeah, yeah. Him and him, and so his bowling, his bowling alley, uh, his budget. <laughs> um as far as the diamond in the rough, a player I look at you can get for a good price, it could still be productive, is uh, Ziggy Ansah. This is a guy that you know went to Seattle, and he didn't have a great year. I mean, he really didn't. Uh, it was by far his career worst, uh, but it's come out of sense. You know, There was a couple injuries he was playing through, and it could have been a bad fit schematically. It does happen from time to time. He averaged eight sacks a season for six years in Detroit. He was really Stable. I look at guys that are on bad teams that are stable and productive on teams that are bad and have a lot of turnover and they don't have a lot of talent around them. That, that to me, sometimes that stands out more than a great player also on a great team. Um, so with his limited production, you could probably get him pretty cheap. And but if you get anything near what he was in Detroit, you're gonna get a home run of a value. So teams like the Vikings, who just lost Griffin, among others, like Winval Joseph, or maybe even the Giants, who I know have been looking at pass rush help, but they don't want to spend the money. Those are two teams that you think, hey, this is going to be a guy that could fit well and be productive for your team. So, yeah, overall, this list is there's, there's a few surprises on it. So there's plenty more free agency to go. All right, guys, we finished off some rapid reaction, a lot of topics, a little bit of time. Let's go drink. Let's roll.
1: Saints, Saints coach Sean Payton tested positive for the coronavirus, making him the first member of the NFL community to test positive. Your reaction?
0: Uh, you know, it's unfortunate uh, that, that that he t- that he did test positive. But this is one of the things we talked about earlier. The more people get tested, you know, the more cases that we're going to see. It just kind of is what it is. But I like what he had to say. He said he wanted to come forward and uh, let people know that he had it and just try to bring more awareness. To, to people in the country and just try to take the, you know, the social distancing policies more seriously. So we can kind of, you know, flatten that curve, as they say. So all in all, I look, I do look at it as a positive. <laughs> the NBA has directed all teams to close their practice and training facilities starting today in regards to the league suspension of play. Is this encouraging or discouraging? I'm going to go with discouraging. Um, listen, a lot of these, these young players,
1: when you tell these young guys, hey, I know you got a lot of money, but we need you to stay in your city that you play in. Don't go anywhere. Sit in your house. Okay, cool. So then they say, well, I'm just going to go to the gym. I'm going to on my game. Get shots up. Work on moves. Do, do whatever. Just to take my mind off the fact that we can't really play. Then you say, oh, about that, too. We're kind of close to facilities to you. So, you know, we're trying to minimize the risk of anything traveling around. So... Yeah, I need you to be stuck in the house. Like, like my mom used to tell me this all the time growing up. You know, I don't mind is a devil workshop. Meaning, if I'm sitting here not doing anything, it it usually up the rate of me going to do something stupid because I'm bored out of my mind. Whereas, when I got bored, I was at least able to go put up some shots and go and make my time useful. So, I'm going to say discouraging on this one. Yesterday, the Boston Red Sox announced Ace lefty Chris Sale will undergo Tommy John
0: surgery. Big loss, right? Yep, to say the least, whenever the season starts, it's going to be a tough one in Boston. No David Price, no Mookie Betts, no Chris Sale. Good luck. Mega payday for Andres Pete as the offensive lineman has re-upped with the Saints for five years, 57.5 million. Is he worth that? Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, man, here's the deal.
1: If you got you a good offensive lineman, and he getting the job done, you you got to pay a premium. Look, you got to protect your quarterback. You got to understand who you got back there. You got Drew Brees. You don't got some young spiffy. If you had maybe uh, Teddy Bridgewater, maybe you take a gamble and you put old Rudy Poot and replace him. But no, nah, you need to keep the goods. If you got the goods, you keep them, and you got to pay these big fellas. So, yeah, I like it, and I think he's worth it. Georgia freshman guard Anthony Edwards have declared for the NBA draft.
0: Your thoughts? I didn't watch a a single minute of Georgia basketball last year, so my thoughts are pretty limited. You you went to a school that went 16-16 and and only finished better than Vanderbilt in the SEC, so I I guess he's good. I guess we'll find out eventually. On Monday, in an interview with Ariel Hawani, UFC President Dana White said the Khabib versus Ferguson fight will happen no matter what is going on. you believe him? Absolutely. This fight has a lot riding on it. You had a fight this big since
1: Khabib and Conor McGregor. And you best believe when that fight roll around, if the coronavirus is still here for that, he's gonna make that one happen too. I mean, hey, we might have to fight it on the moon or something, but we're gonna make this happen. So yeah, I definitely believe him. <laughs> it's gonna go down, baby. Colorado's Rockets manager, Bud Black, is open to playing doubleheaders on a regular basis
0: once the regular season gets underway. You
1: agree with this idea?
0: Uh, it makes sense in theory, but doubleheaders traditionally are reserved for those times where you have rainouts. You have a rainout on Sunday. You come back Monday and play two games. So when you consider you're still going to have those rainouts at some point and doubleheaders can stre- can uh, stress your pitching staff really quick. So I- I'm not sure that this will happen. And what probably should end up happening is the season's just going to have to be shortened depending on whenever it does get underway. All American teams were announced in college basketball today. First team includes Dayton's OB Toppin, Iowa's Luke Garza, Marquette's Marcus Howard, Seton Hall's Miles Powell, and Oregon's Peyton Pritchard. You agree with these selections?
1: Yeah, at this point,
0: yeah. I mean, what are we going to do? Go change them?
1: Season over. Hey, yeah, I, it is what it is. I, these guys did enough. I mean, honestly, it just gave me like a pretty, yeah, like, feel to it because I just felt like. We didn't get to see everybody at max capacity because of, you know, what's going on. So it is what it is. The Steelers have signed tight end Eric Ebron to a two-year, $12 million deal. Good move. Oh, you
0: said, yeah, Jimmy Graham got two years, 16 mil, right? Yeah, just slam dunk. Look, if Jimmy Graham can get 16 mil, you can pay Ebron 12 mil. Yeah, that's what all tight end deals will be judged on what Jimmy Graham got. So, yeah, slam dunk. Good job, Pittsburgh. Last one, on Tuesday, news surfaced that a trilogy fight between Canelo Alvarez and Triple G has been agreed upon. Do you see this fight being fought at 160 or 168 pounds?
1: Yeah, they're still deciding where they want to fight, but it's very hard for me to see this fight getting fought at 168. Um, I think the only reason 168 is a possibility because recently uh, Canelo did fight at that weight. He won a title at that weight, but let's be real here. I think he just did that because, you know, He'd be on a cherry-picking tour, and he went and cherry-picked him all softly up there and won the title and then gave it back and kept it rolling. And plus, the first two fights was at 160, so why would you change the third one? Do it at 160.
2: All right, well, today's Drink of Wisdom. I'm Cody Ward.
1: I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to holler at you until next time baby